This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I'm really proud of myself for not sneaking out of my yoga class and going to your prenatal yoga class this morning. I know you wanted to come in mine. I really did. And like my fucking ass is like so sore already. I just like don't work out anymore. And I really at this rate, like I should have just pretended to be pregnant and gone into the prenatal class. Yeah. I mean, there's only eight people. So you probably could have come on in. What is, We're prenatal, welcoming group. what is prenatal yoga like? It's amazing. I recommend it. I mean, for anyone that's pregnant, <laughs> it really is well it's a little more chill i think you can't do hot yoga obviously when you're pregnant the dehydration oh yeah obviously i guess but there's a lot more modifications than you would think right because you can't do anything where you're like on your belly so what's it called like the chaturangas you can't do that when you like load up (laughs) A really hard thing where you lower down really slowly. <laughs> Wait, do you do happy baby pose? Yeah. And like, we all like, and I just, I laugh every time. You're like rocking back and forth with your big belly. Yeah. I wonder if that's why it's called that, that pose, happy baby. And then a lot of just like changing positions really slowly. So you don't get orthostatic hypotension. So you yeah. have to just kind of change positions. I saw like slowly. a lot of like, you had a lot of modification, like supplies, like the little, the boxes and like oh, yeah. blankets yep. and like cushions and stuff. I was like, I want cushions in my class. What the fuck? I think it's great. Like we really can connect with your breath work. And I think it's going to help prep for labor. I've heard it, it really helps prep your body for labor and learning how to soften your pelvic floor and like it's not so much about being like as strong as it is about learning how to control your muscles and breathe and well there you go I mean and if you don't know you know enough already about being pregnant and what to expect as midwife then I mean maybe this will help too so if you haven't noticed we are here for a very special episode of the WOMED this week Danny is traveling out of town she's in New York we will catch her next week we are coming live from Chicago. It is a special episode of the WOMED with me and my identical twin sister, Nicole. Nicole, welcome to the WOMED. Thanks for having me. You know, when you asked me to be on the podcast, I thought Danielle was going to be here. So I'm actually <laughs> kind of sad because I have not talked to her in a bit. And so when I just found out it was just me and you, I was kind of bummed. Yeah, she's got I some spicy Danny. updates. So yeah, yeah I, I know, know. I need bummer. to talk to her. <laughs> Yeah, you're just stuck with me. Sorry. But no, I'm really excited because I think this will be a really great conversation for a lot of our nursing students, a lot of our nurses, any of our pregnant listeners, and just anyone also maybe any of any one of our listeners a twin. So yeah, Nicole and I are identical twins. If you didn't know, yes, I have an identical twin sister. We have been pretty much attached to the hip since we were born. Nicole is now 24 weeks pregnant herself. I'm curious, Nicole. Did you at any point like think that maybe you were going to have twins? Oh, yeah. I think, well, twins run in our family. Yeah. So I think a lot of people were 
like hoping that we were, I was going to have twins, but I actually almost did have twins. I like ovulated two eggs. And I know you, like most people aren't going to know that information about their cycle, but I looked at my ultrasound report and basically when you, you know, ovulate every month and I don't, I don't want to lose anyone here, but if you, when you ovulate, you create like the corpus luteum and that is what, if you don't get pregnant, it, it like dies off and goes away. But if you do get pregnant, it stays on your ovary. And that's the thing that releases all the hormones to sustain your pregnancy until your placenta develops until you're about 12 weeks. And so at my eight week ultrasound, I had two corpus luteums, one on each ovary, which means I ovulated two eggs from each ovary and was like sustaining possibly could have been two pregnancies. So I almost think I had twins. Would they have been fraternal though? Like, is that how? Yeah. Okay. So they would have been fraternal. They would have been fraternal. But that's like still crazy that you ovulated But I've never seen that on any of my patients' ultrasounds ever. Really? Yeah. So I... Oh God! It almost happened. So maybe it like actually <laughs> does run in our family, and like maybe yeah, it's gonna you should happen. be scared for the future. Oh my God! But like, was part of you like even a little bit sad? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love having a twin. I just think I want my children to like have their own <laughs> to like identity. be normal. <laughs> Not have to grow up with a carbon copy. I just don't know how any parent with twins does it. I don't know how our parents did it. I don't know how I have friends with twins, how they do it. I, I just, know, especially I mean, like financially, and, like now that uh, I'm an adult and have to think about like you also like thinking about like the finances of having a kid, I cannot imagine having surprise. Now you have to pay for two. Like what? No one talks. I think no one talks about that part of it. It's just like, what the hell? I do feel like in a certain way, it would have been cool to parent twins true yeah as a twin because you know what they're going through and that's you, true and how cool would it be for that child to grow up with a parent that's a twin that understands what would be like the biggest difference you think you would have done differently about raising twins what do you think is like super important for raising twins I think mom and dad did a good job of trying to let us be our own person we yeah just, they did we they just did, like ended up doing everything together <laughs> They did really try. Like when we were in middle school, like Nicole was on a basketball team and I was a cheerleader. And it was like a very like weird, very weird, strange time for us. Like I would not like to go back to that time. It was very weird. And it was like the one thing that we didn't do together. And it was like, I don't think I liked it. Like I did not like not having you, to be honest. Right. Like it was weird. I think it's gotten a lot better now that we have kind of embraced that it's okay to have (laughs) similar interests and to look the same and I don't have to dye my hair black yeah <laughs> and you don't have to get I mean Keep you get tattoos, tattoos but <laughs> like Nicole like literally when we were I don't even know we were in our early 20s and like I don't even know who started it first like which one of us started rebelling first and was like I'm gonna look different than you I think it was you yeah I think you were like I'm going to go get my me. nose ring yeah, and you dye like, my hair black. You were like, stop copying everything that I do. Stop stealing all my clothes. Like, I'm dyeing my hair black and I'm well, getting nose ring. Well, that is just you with the stealing of clothes. <laughs> I've had to let that go for my own sake. I know. Even my boyfriend right now, Richie, like, tells me, he, he's like, Jackie, like, you don't have any respect or regard for other people's things. <laughs> I would agree with him. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. And I'm like, don't I tell I feel so seen. <laughs> I'm like, I think it's because I just grew up with a twin and like thought everything that was hers was yeah. also mine. 
That's fair. Yeah. I mean, also, I have really good taste in clothes. I, know. So I don't blame I was you. Like, take it as a compliment. <laughs> like, your outfit is fire flames. I'm going to steal it. Like, take it as a compliment. Anyway, but I agree with that. Like, I think as we've gotten older, we've gotten more comfortable like embracing our similarities, but also embracing some of our differences too, even mm-hmm. though there's really not a lot of them. I mean, we're wearing basically the same outfit right now. Yeah. Nice, cozy sweater. Do you have leggings, leggings on? on? Yeah. yeah. Slippers. I know, and our hair is starting to look the same again. The, yeah. the color, we're, we're, we're wearing the legitimate same earrings right now. Yeah. Are these the ones the that same. Are, Yeah, these are literally the, the same. Gold hoops. Like, this is yeah. not, they're not just gold hoops. They're a specific brand and a certain type of gold hoops that we're both wearing. Yeah, we dress the same still accidentally. Yeah, not on purpose. Not That's, on purpose. That would be really embarrassing. Yeah, that would be weird. like, we don't go to like twin conventions. Like, we don't do any of that weird stuff. But we do accidentally dress the same if we don't send a text like beforehand and what the other is wearing, like outfit check. And it's not like basic. Like today is basic. Yeah, today of course, we're basic. We're wearing neutral sweaters and leggings. Yeah. But like a few weeks ago when I was wearing that bright green dress and you wore yeah, like, like the a bright green set. set. Yeah. Like oh the same color. We couldn't. Bright green. And then when I we had were going change, for yeah. a walk, we took the dogs for a walk. And we were both wearing like bright red crew neck sweatshirts and like yellow pants. It was such an abnormal, like McDonald's gross, like color combination that like your husband Mason was literally like, what the fuck are you two doing? We were like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Yeah, we can't leave the house. Anyway. Well, I mean, I'm sad, I guess, that you're not having twins, but like I get also why you maybe wouldn't be super (laughs) pumped. I just couldn't deal with like what we were when we were growing no, up because like, it's a whole we're good now but we used to fight a lot I mean I give our parents so much credit like from all through school age and like teenage like middle school high school like that's a lot raising twins like what if one of them is like doing better in school than the other one, but the other one is doing better at sports. And then the other one has to have braces, but the other one doesn't have to have braces. So it's like this like weird, not even like competition. Cause you never, never like, I don't think like competitive no, in like no. a bad way. Not there's always this like comparison that other people would always be comparing us. They'd be like, well, which one of you is smarter? Which one of you has more boyfriends? We're like, right. we don't have boyfriends because we're ugly. So... <laughs> which people like, don't believe, but like... <laughs> it's like ugly it's until true. I was in college. Like, yeah. we, when, did, when did we not It was like, get? I think on the same day, we like realized... Yeah, the same we, day. We were like, got, I think like our senior pictures back in high school and we both were like, oh my God, are we like not ugly for the first time <laughs> in our lives? <laughs> but it builds character and it builds humor so if you grow up in an ugly duckling like we did it's fine it's all gonna work out for you but yeah i agree sorry if you're having twins if you have a twin though like you can relate you can relate to this i mean who's to say you could have twins i think if i was having twins like i think i would get over it (laughs) i'd be like I don't know, but then I'd be really sad. Like, what if they didn't like each other and get along like how we do? Like, I don't know. Yeah, that would be really, I'd be terrified to have twins. More so for like middle school, high school years, I think. Oh, yeah. Like when they're young, they're fine. You just have somebody to play with and each like, other. never sleep. Yeah. So let's reel it in for a second. So as I just stated nicole is 24 weeks pregnant but 
She is also a certified nurse midwife. And you are not always a midwife. Like I said, we have gone through like all of our education and major things in life together. We obviously went to high school together. We went to college together. We played a sport in college together. We did our master's in nursing together. And then we even started working in the same hospital together right out of nursing school. I worked in a neuro med surge unit and Nicole worked literally on the same floor across like the double doors doors in the neuro ICU. So like I would have patients that eventually would have to go to the ICU or transfer patients to the med surge unit. So we worked legitimately not there. No, these neuro patients are already confused. And they're like, (laughs) didn't you just ring just with me? I remember they're we like, transferred patients in the back and forth to each other. Like, no, that was not. That was my twin. Um, so we literally have been attached to the hip. And you were in the neuro ICU. You were like a semester into starting your acute care nurse practitioner degree before you had a come to Jesus moment, as I like to say, <laughs> and you completely switched to be a midwife, like from a neuro ICU to midwifery. How did that happen? Wow. It's so simple as in in nursing school, I witnessed a birth in our labor and delivery rotation. Which, wait, by the way, we were on that rotation together. Were we not? Yes. <laughs> and you probably remember, I like it changed my life. It totally did. It did. You loved it. Yeah. I totally forgot that we did that rotation together. Yeah, it was a vaginal birth with a midwife in a hospital. And I was like, what is this? I did not know you could do this as a nursing career. And I didn't even know midwifery existed for like advanced practice nurses. I just thought it was the coolest thing in the entire world. And it just felt like a calling. It felt like I had a deeper like spiritual kind of connection with witnessing a birth. And I just thought, wow, you could do that every day. Like, that's amazing. How cool is that? And I think as, you know, that rotation ended and you go through the rest of your schooling, people will kind of sway you to kind of, you know, start in med surge or give you advice, you know, to do one thing with your career and, oh, you shouldn't do that, you know, midwifery, your hours are going to be crazy, you're going to be on call all the time and... You know, so it's a little bit different. We got out of nursing school, I think it was almost eight years ago. Yeah. Where it was really hard to get a job in a specialty unit, like yeah. labor and delivery. It was delivery. a lot different than the landscape now, for sure. And so when I got offered a job in the ICU where I did my, you know, kind of capstone rotation, I took it and I was so excited just to start working. And you get comfortable, right? Yeah. You learn so much. You learn all these very specific things to your specialty. and I. And it's not like I didn't like it. That's the thing is I really love being an ICU nurse. There's things about it that I still miss. And I love those shifts where, you know, you have some really sick patients and you're just in their room, titrating the drips and, you know, you're on your toes the whole time. And a part of it can be kind of quiet and where you stay really focused and, you know, can have to notice really small changes in your patients that can make a really big difference. And I really loved that part, but I think what is so interesting and looking back now, I think a lot of people will will relate to this. I just felt like I wasn't making a difference Wow. as an ICU nurse. Yeah. Clearly, 
like looking back now, I was. But when you're in it and you're doing it day in and day out, I think it's hard when your patients, a lot of them are intubated or like they can't speak and you're seeing a lot of really poor outcomes, not just death, but debilitating, yeah. you know, brain bleeds, injuries, yeah. things like that, where you kind of question the meaning of like, why am I doing this? And you don't have a lot of support mm-hmm. from the hospital that you work with. No one's really telling you you're doing a good job. Yeah. No one's thanking you. You kind of just go in every day and it's like this oof, really heavy thing. Going back to when you were in nursing school and it was time to start looking for jobs, was there a part of you that was like, maybe I should apply for L&D or it really just was like so many people were telling you med surge, med surge, med surge, and then you got that ICU offer and you almost just like, just were so happy that you didn't really think twice. I think, no, I did apply to L&D. I just wouldn't, I couldn't even get an interview. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to start working. Yeah. And I totally relate to what you say. And I think this is what happens to a lot of nurses is that you hear all the time, like it's so easy to switch specialties. And it's not that it's that hard to switch specialties. It kind of is a little bit harder, I think, than people make it out to be. But I think it's like what you said is once you get into your job, you realize how difficult that one specialty is. And it can take years to start to really feel comfortable in what you're doing. And so then by the time you finally feel comfortable, you're like, well, do I want to just throw this all away and go do something completely different? Like I finally, I'm happy here. I'm comfortable here. So you're working as an ICU nurse now for a few years. You're feeling comfortable in what you're doing. You were at this time like precepting other nurses in the Mm -hmm. ICU. So like, you know, obviously killing it at your job. We're halfway through a semester of acute care nurse practitioner school. When did you realize that you didn't want to go down this path? What was that moment actually like? Like, what did it look like? I remember it very distinctly. We were in class for critical care and pee and we're learning about managing patients on ventilators. And I just was sitting there in class being like, I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't want to manage vents. I remembered, like, I felt so passionate about labor and birth and women's health that I kind of brushed to the back burner for so long. And it was also right after I got married. And I think I felt really settled and finally Mm. was like, okay, what do you want to teach your future kids about their jobs? Do you want to teach them like, it's okay just to do something that, you know, you are good at and, you know, pays the bills? Or do you want to show them that they can really go after their dreams and do the thing that they're the most passionate about, even if it scares them a little? I remember that was a big part for me was knowing deep down the whole time that I wanted to be a midwife. And I was so back and forth for a while. And I remember just asking the universe please like give me a sign. Like, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm, I know, I feel like I'm supposed to be a midwife, but I don't know how to do that. And I was in the ICU working and I took care of three pregnant patients that week, which is like insane. Like it's never of, happened in her, unheard yeah. of in, that, in your so, ICU. Yeah. One of them I, we had to bring down for a C-section and then the other one had, you know, really bad brain bleed. And I just knew that I needed to be in that type of world dealing with pregnant patients. That was like your sign. Yeah. 
And you and just I, knew. And you, like, you applied. Yeah, that week. That week. I told my boss even in ICU that week. I told him and I said, that did something to me. Like, I need to make this switch. What were you most scared of? I knew I would be starting over again. And I think that's what I was the most scared of is I finally felt comfortable in the ICU. And that takes a long time too. Yeah. And I knew how hard that was. You know, those nights where you get scared even to go into work and you get a little anxious about what the night's going to bring you or that, you know, your shift is going to bring you. And I just knew I was going to be starting that all over again, times a hundred with wanting to be now stepping it up to a provider and not, you know, leaving nursing even and becoming an, an APRN was another big jump. I think that that's a really common feeling in nursing, especially right now since the pandemic. Obviously, you didn't leave the bedside. You are still at the bedside, technically, you know, delivering babies and you're seeing patients in clinic. So you're not exactly leaving the bedside, but there are so many nurses leaving the profession now since COVID and so many interested in making some sort of change like whether it's to a completely new specialty, whether it's to admin or research or something that's a little bit more sustainable, or maybe they're finding like a come to Jesus moment like you where they're like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. What advice would you give someone in that position that's thinking about making a switch, but maybe they're scared? I think you really need to think about what lights you up and what you're passionate about. And for me, that only took one birth as a nursing student to know that's what I wanted to do. And I think I spent the next few years convincing myself that I could not do it and I wasn't going to be good enough or whatever reason you make up in your head. And I think you just need to listen to that gut feeling, that little voice inside your head telling you, no, this is something you're passionate about. This is something you can make as a career. And just do it and don't let other people's opinions and advice kind of sway you one way or the other. You just have to really go with your gut instinct. I think, too, nursing is so different now that like your job is always going to be there. If you ever need to go back to it, they need people with your experience. Yeah, they don't right. want to lose you. No, 100%. And they'd be happy to have you back. Yeah. And so if you need to take six months or a year to try something else out, like it's not going to harm anything. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, make the leap. Your old job's always going to be there. I think that's such important advice because people get so scared. Like, I think especially with nurses, there's like this people pleasing tendency where they're like, oh, I don't want to let my boss down. I don't want to let my coworkers down. Like, my unit needs me. And it's like, at the end of the day, is your hospital system really, really, like, are they really having your back on what's best for you? If these people like really care about you, your coworkers, they're going to want to see you flourish in something that you're really passionate about. And if you go try that out and you realize, like Nicole's saying that the happiest day of her life was the first time seeing a live birth. Like the first time I saw a live birth, I thought I was going to pass out. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So that's great for you. But if you make the switch to L&D and you're like, just kidding, I'm like Jackie and this is disgusting and I don't want to ever deliver a baby. Exactly. There's still a million things for you to do. You can still easily go back to what you were doing or find something else. So yes, you're taking a risk, but you're lucky that we're in a field where there is going to be something for you to fall back on. And people thought I was crazy for sure. 
I mean, I was in midwifery school then working as an ICU nurse. Yeah. So you had like really no LND experience when you were entering midwifery school. Looking back, did that feel like a supported environment for you or was it really difficult? I would say I had some midwife mentors that never worked labor and delivery that supported me and they understood because that was their path. But I think a lot of midwives and certain people I went to school with that worked labor and delivery thought you had to have labor and delivery experience to become a midwife. And at the end of the day, like most programs, you don't. And there's a reason you don't. It's because they're two very different types of jobs. Um, I think my experience as an ICU nurse gives me such a different outlook on managing labor and birth. I love the adrenaline rush. I know how to handle myself in an emergency when things don't go the way you plan because that happens literally all the time. But I still view birth as it's not an illness. It's not like I have a patient that's in the ICU that's sick that needs to be on medications and drips. Like I view labor and birth as midwives should, that it's a normal physiologic process that unless there's a medical indication, we don't have to interfere with. And so I think this leads me to my next question because there are a lot of misconceptions about midwifery and what midwives actually do. Can you just explain really fast to our listeners or anyone tuning in that maybe has heard the term before or, you know, they, they know that midwives deliver, but they're not sure the differences between an OB and a midwife. I get sick when people confuse midwives and doulas. It's like those are very different. Can you just explain really quickly like what the scope of midwife does and your specific degree? Because you have your doctorate. Mm-hmm. Totally. And yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions. And for the sake of this, we'll just stick to what a certified nurse midwife is, because there's different ways to be a midwife, too. But in terms of being a certified nurse midwife, so that falls under the umbrella of APRNs or advanced practice nurses. So in there's three columns I like to think about it. So then the first column, you have all of your nurse practitioners of all their various specialties, your family nurse practitioners, pediatric nurse practitioners, psych NPs, you know, you all go through your specific training and graduate, pass your boards and have your specific scope of practice. And then that second branch is your certified nurse anesthetist, right? They have totally different schooling than you did as an FNP. Yeah. Different training. Like five times more good for them. Yeah. They have to go to school like for three years. Um, And then in that last branch, that's your certified nurse midwife. So we can see our own patients. We prescribe medications. We practice independently. And in our scope, you know, we're trained as basically like women's health nurse practitioners to work in the clinic and see gynae patients and do well woman exams and pap smears and birth control, IUDs and implants. Not breast implants. No, <laughs> next one on <laughs> implants. Thank you. And, you know, also do prenatal care and postpartum care. But then there's a whole other side to us where we're trained in managing labor and delivering babies and birth and that a medium postpartum period. And that's a big part of our scope of practice, too, is that extra labor and birth part. Yeah, it is wild to me how much you are qualified and certified to do. Run us through, like, what is a typical week like for you then as a midwife, like work-wise? That's what I like so much about being a midwife is that anywhere you work, it could be different. But I really like where I'm at now. 
working in a hospital system. I will say if I wanted to work in home birth or I wanted to work in a birth center, I could. And that is definitely an outlet that a lot of certified nurse midwives will take. But I will say the majority of us do work in hospitals. So my schedule is going to look pretty similar to any like full scope midwife working in a health system. So I do three days a week in the clinic, in the office, just regular hours, 8 to 4.30. I'll see around, I don't know, 15 to 20 patients a day, and that'll mix between gynae and prenatal patients. And then usually I do one to two 12-hour shifts in the hospital, which mixes between, could be a day shift, could be a night shift, just like a nurse does, 7 to 7 in the morning or 7 to 7, you know, overnight. That could be on the weekends, holidays things like that. So it ends up actually being 40 hours a week. And that's how our schedule works. And for me, it works really well. You're a busy freaking lady. (laughs) That is a lot. So would you say that birth is your favorite part about being a midwife? Is that your favorite part of your week is going into the hospital? Or does it just kind of depend? It definitely is what drew me into the career. And I love birth. I don't think I could only do birth, though. I really love seeing my patients during their prenatal care and developing that relationship with them and seeing them like 12 to 15 times during their pregnancy and then getting them ready for their labor and birth. And, you know, when you work in a really big hospital system, having that intimate patient provider relationship, it can be really hard to find. So it still gives me a lot of that almost like community-based type of care where I know my patients and I know their families and I know their sister and their mom and Having that balance for me is really great. I will say the hardest thing is probably setting boundaries. I think that was the biggest jump for me from being a nurse to a APRN is feeling like there's times where I can't turn it off. Yeah. Like in terms of like checking up on because your computer's constantly going off with messages, with labs. Obviously, and when you're seeing patients that will go into labor, that's such a spontaneous thing that you don't know if you're going to be working when this patient that you've been seeing for all their prenatal care is going into labor. So you want to know, you know, like how they're progressing and what's going on, even if you're not necessarily scheduled. Is that what you mean? Or is there even more to that? Right. I definitely think managing labs and ultrasound reports and patient messages is something, you know, and charting. The big thing I, you know, we have to take home with us and finish on our own time. But it's hard to not, you know, think about your patients outside of work too. And sometimes at the end of a really long, busy day, I just feel, yeah, it's just, it can be exhausting emotionally to have to hold space for so many people in one day that are going through a lot. Yeah. Wow. I never thought about it that way. Cause you like, you see, yeah, up to like what, like 20 patients in clinic some days. It's like, that's just wild. Have you ever thought about what your life would be like if you never questioned or like you didn't listen to that internal voice about the ventilators and you were like, uh, you got to just push through? Yeah, this. I would have been an APRN like in the ICU during COVID. Oh, my God, that's wild. And like, God bless them. Like, I worked a little bit during COVID and it just, yeah, it's just really it would have been really, really hard. I think I don't know how any of them are left, to be honest. It's, just would have been burned out for sure. And I think like one of the biggest takeaways from this conversation is like your work as a midwife is not easy by any means. Like you work more hours than I think literally any other person that I know. 
you still work extremely hard. Your job is so demanding, but it's so important to find something that lights you up because it is so easy to get burned out in medicine. Mm -hmm. So I want to switch gears because I'm so excited to have this conversation with you now because now you yourself are 24 weeks pregnant as a midwife. So overall, are you happy that you know as much as you do? Or do sometimes you kind of wish that you didn't know as much as you do as a pregnant person, like going into all of this? I'm a very logical and type A person. So I think I'm pretty happy that I have that foundation and I understand what's going on with my body. Yeah, if you weren't a midwife, you probably would have already like by the Been time to you the ER 10 times. Yeah, yeah. Like, think, I'm like thinking I have a UTI and it's like, no, it's just like the baby's head on your bladder. <laughs> no, I think I'm really fortunate that I get to see a lot of normal pregnancies and births every single day. And I really have been surrendering to that and trying to trust my body and have this feeling that I know it's going to be okay and my body's going to do what it's meant to do. And a lot of the things I feel are just normal pregnancy symptoms. And it's been really a really cool experience being pregnant and going through this for the first time and really understanding what my patients go through now. Speaking of that, is there anything unexpected that has happened during your pregnancy that's kind of like helped you relate to them more? Yeah, I think the entire first trimester was horrible. And it is for most people. Yeah, your first trimester was brutal. It's so hard. Like, I understand now that what's so hard about it is that you just have to continue (laughs) your normal life and your work and your responsibilities. And if you have kids, and on top of that, you're exhausted all the time. I mean, I was sleeping what like, almost 12 hours a night and still could not keep my eyes open. And I was nauseous all the time. Like I felt hungover. Like I felt sick. Like I was, you know, running like in the movies, like running to the bathroom, feeling like I'm going to throw up. And, you know, I'm so lucky that I just woke up one day and it just was gone. But for some people, it doesn't go away. It's so funny because I kept on thinking it wasn't going to happen to me. Like, oh, you know, like, this isn't that real. It's like, gonna be okay. yeah, it's, it's probably just here and there. But it was like every day for weeks. And that was really eye opening. And then just like 14 weeks came and it was like clockwork. Thank like God. done. Yeah. That's God. so, so wild. And what's actually cool is you are seeing a midwife at your practice for care. Oh, yeah. She's the best. I (laughs) I knew the day I met her that I wanted her to be my midwife. Which is like such an honor. I think that's so cool. Like I was telling someone this the other day, someone that works at the hospital, and they were like, the hospital should make that a commercial because like that's just incredible that your sister has so... That's just great that you have so much trust in the care that your midwives provide there that like you want to put your health and your baby's health in their hands. I think when you're giving birth, it's really important to think about where you're going to feel the most safe. And for me, being with my midwife team is where I'm going to feel the safest because I know they all practice evidence-based care, but holistic care and individualized care. And I know when I go into labor, I trust any of them to catch my baby and to be there for me. And I think it's important to, you know, to work in a place where you believe in the care that you're giving and the practice. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I wouldn't want to work in a place where I didn't feel like I could receive my care there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's been a really good experience so far. So. so something I think that always 
like that has surprised me as your twin sister, like the last 10 years and and like surprised me in the best way possible is you, I think if you were to come up with some differences between us from when we were like in our like earlier 20s to 30, we'll say, you were definitely more type A than me. I'm still a pretty type A person, but you were always a little bit more like, show me the numbers, give me the facts, controlled. Like, I think that's why you made to be such a great ICU nurse. Mm -hmm. But it's so, so beautiful seeing you now like a decade later, really starting to embrace some more of the spiritual aspects to your practice and welcome more like what you said, holistic care into traditional Western like evidence-based medicine. What do you think? Like, is there anything that like triggered that or anything that like caught your eye or that you read or just like overall, maybe even deprogramming certain things? I think it's, it started just seeing a birth for the first time and just feeling this sense that there's just something bigger going on that has nothing to do with medicine and just feeling like you're witnessing something so raw and beautiful and empowering to your patients. And it really stuck with me. And I think even now, like the best birth that I attend are the ones where I step back the most and just let the patient do their thing and I interfere as little as possible and just watching that process there's really nothing like it and it definitely brings out this deeper side that there's more to life and it's just nice being a part of such a really big transition for people in their lives and becoming a parent not just for the first time but as their families grow and it's really beautiful to witness. I'm so glad that we finally got to share your story of going from ICU to midwifery to now being pregnant yourself. I tell so many of my nursing students your story to kind of inspire them and say, hey, like, this is such a wonderful career. You can find what you're passionate about. And so I'm so proud to be your sister. And like, I feel like I just brag about you all the time to my students and at the hospital. But I am done like pumping you up and like making you feel awesome. Uh, it's time to bring you back down to earth. I want to call over Mason. Um, Mason is Nicole's husband. Mason! No, he's making dinner. <laughs> Mason, put down the dinner, put down the stew. Stop attending to your pregnant wife. We need to answer some questions. Foiled. I mean, that's the truth is like, I probably wouldn't be able to do what I do without my loving and supportive husband okay. that's been Amazing. taking care of me. <laughs> So I wanted to round out this episode with pregnancy rapid fire. I want to hear from both Nicole and your lovely husband, Mason, answers to both of these questions. And I want Mason to answer them. And I want Nicole to answer them. We are also being joined by their lovely 10-year-old German shepherd, Finn. It is just like a family affair here. So let's get these pregnancy rapid fire questions going. Okay. What is your favorite part of Nicole being pregnant? Besides her massive boobs. <laughs> well, that's number one, for sure. I would say the the second trimester has been awesome. Like the glow thing I didn't expect. Mm. So like really, and I didn't know what that was until experiencing it. Which yeah, is until great. her hair is like fucking growing. Well, her skin inches, yeah, and everything. Like it's a real thing. And then I would say uh, feeling the baby cake is really Oh, Is that, what, Nicole, what's your favorite part about being pregnant? Um, I think, yeah, just seeing my body change every single day. It's like I don't expect it to keep getting bigger but every day i'm like oh wow 
he's definitely growing. That's a lie. He like putting me in the indentured servitude. And well, and it's nice because I can always I ask Mason for a lot more help now. Next question: What has been the worst pregnancy symptom of Nicole's? Oh, just saying. I would I would have said <laughs> the fatigue, but also her hangry. Her hangriness is is out of control, but the fatigue for me, like like just watching you, like like at least the first trimester, and even sometimes now, like you're just spent at the end of the day, like you're at a zero, you know. So you just gotta lie down. The hanger is like a whole new level now. <laughs> I mean, I was bad before I was pregnant, yeah. but now it's like if I don't eat like immediately, like yeah, I get nasty, and it has to, you know, it's like what I like. I need to eat that specific thing that I'm craving right now or is that what I'm happened when we were in the car today and we stopped to get some food yeah. and Mason <laughs> exactly. like um, took 10 minutes to get like a fancy sandwich and Nicole came back to like, of course Mason had to uh, get the most expensive like fancy sandwich and it took 20 minutes <laughs> it was like a chicken <laughs> I was so hungry I know so I, like, I just want to go home and eat okay speaking of hunger next question what has been the most interesting food craving I mean, definitely, I think the most consistent one is Indian. Like, she just gets Indian, Indian food. all Indian food. the time. I know. I'm do a you, bad patient. Do you get, like, the same? Wait, aren't you, like, not supposed to have spicy food? In it? Yes. No, I mean, you can't. There's no reason you can't have spicy food, but it causes really bad heartburn. And I'm really having bad really bad heartburn. And I just keep on eating it because <laughs> it's so good. You crave it. yeah. oh, and just, like, salty foods. But that's salty. me normally. I know. That is I'm you like, normally. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Who do you think is more like the crazy type A pregnant parent? Definitely Nicole. No, what? Type A? For sure you. Like, I'll just be like sitting there like, all right. You're like, you're like the food Nazi. <laughs> like anytime I grab like a soft cheese or like, you know, deli meat, he's like, wait, okay. can you eat that? Like you have to. One, you're talking about when we were not in the United States. <laughs> Where nothing was pasteurized. I took Nicole to like a, a organic farm, cheese farm, and like she in Italy. Yeah, Italy. you know it's bad when the Italians are like, "Oh, you're pregnant. You can't have any of this." Yeah, yeah. I know. The, like, oh, the other man. side is I'm also trying to defend myself against your hanger. So like that's I why know. I'm, I'm trying to make this more enjoyable for you. I know it's weird because like I know what to you expect, know everything. I, I know nothing. You know, I'm, yeah. Sometimes I feel like with the little stuff, I'm maybe not making this as fun. <laughs> But, you know, we had our big ultrasound. That was, that was good. Really cool. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Loved that. Loved seeing all the, like, you know, the blood flow and all the Doppler. It was really cool. Mm. Okay. What are you most excited to get on your registry? Oh, for me, it's definitely, like, the big stroller. Like, the the full Monty. Like, that one, that one looks pretty cool. Yeah. Like, skate around with kids. Like, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I think I did register for some, like, the postpartum kits. <laughs> You know, like the the diaper and the yeah, wipes yeah, the and the peri bottle and all that. Necessary. The necessary. Thing. Very necessary. Have you guys talked about a birth plan together? Or like, have you thought about an epidural? Or like, because you've seen it all. You've seen everything literally from home water births to every intervention under the sun needed. So this defends my answer about you being the type A person. I okay. actually brought that up to you because yes. I knew you wanted to have a birth plan. So I said, hey. We start talking about a birth plan. It also helped that, like, the book I'm reading, uh, it's, I think it's called uh, The Birthing Partner. Oh my God, everyone, I hope that you send this episode to your partner who needs to be as good as Mason, who's reading books on his own. That comes directly from our midwife, Julie. She recommended that. So shout out, Julie. Shout but, out, Julie. Yeah, Love um, I would say that, yes, we, we've talked about it, but we need to form one. Yeah. Like, so I'm doing, do? I, I have a doula. So that's, 
big. I think anyone, if you can, yeah. you know, afford a doula and figure out if you need to reg- put it on your, your registry to help like contribute to the doula cost. Um, our insurance helps pay for it. His company helps pay for it. So I, I think that that was a big step for me was learning and just really asking for help this time and knowing like I can't do this all myself and I'm going to need extra support during labor, even though I know what to expect. Like I know I'm going to need someone else there to help that understands the birth process. And the other thing I'm doing is a hypnobirthing class. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. (laughs) It's basically like learning how to hypnotize yourself. It's like, there's a lot of research behind it. Like when they, like back, like, you know, hundreds of years ago when people didn't have anesthesia to do surgery, like they would teach them how to hypnotize themselves. And I know this sounds really crazy, but it's really not. It's really learning about, yeah, meditating and how to breathe through your contractions and learning how to let your body, you know, relax and open and let the baby come down and... That's a really lot cool. of training here. It's so mental. Yeah. It's so mental. And I think in terms of epidural, like I'm not against it. Like I think a lot of people like have such a strict view on whether or not they want an epidural, but I'm going to try to go as long as I can without it yeah. and see if I can do it without an epidural. Yeah. Cause there's a really weird part of me that just wants to know what it feels like. Yeah. That's really weird. But like, I kind of get it. <laughs> like, let me know how bad it hurts. And then like, you can let me know. I mean, I might be screaming and just be like, get my epidural, like at two centimeters. We'll see. Honestly, I've seen kind okay. of the whole spectrum. I want you both to answer this question at the same time. And you can't think about it ahead of time. It's going to be a yes or no question. So you have to say, and you have to look at me. You can't look at each other. Am I going to be allowed in the room? Yes or no? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <gasps> what i'm gonna be alone in the room oh my god this is so exciting okay um i really wasn't expecting i'm actually really um i'm really honored and i'm really honored that you both did not hesitate okay next question rapid fire you're the auntie and of course you're gonna be there jackie i'll be sober i promise (laughs) yeah Um, i mean honestly whatever i'll bring nicole a sushi platter and the alcohol okay rapid fire next question so you both now know that you're having a boy Yes. Did you think you were having a boy? Undecided. I like. I didn't know. I thought. I thought it would be like either or. Well, he wanted it to be a surprise. Yeah. 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 So you didn't have like one feeling one way or the other. Like your gut didn't. Feel. You didn't. Yeah. Like, you weren't. You didn't think. One I mean, way or if, if we're like being really honest, obviously, like part of me like was hoping for a boy, like just a little bit more than a girl. But I would have been excited for. Both. I had a feeling it was going to well, be a boy. Well, you also saw psychics that told you. Is she not a psychic? Um. She's a spirit baby reader and a spiritual healer. So yes, which actually Danielle has also spoken with the spiritual baby healer and has she's been right about everything. Yeah, she has. She's been right about everything. So okay, just two more questions to end up this rapid fire. Just real quick, what's the best advice you've gotten so far about either parenting or pregnancy? I think the best advice I have gotten is to ask for help when you need it. I'm just, I'm always someone that's going to try to do it all myself. And I am really starting to realize like, I'm going to need to be really honest about what I'm going to need. And our midwife has been really helpful with, with that so far, but just asking for help. I, I would say the, the biggest advice that we've received is like, just how to prepare, like mm. how to get ready for when baby's here. I think I think that's been the most helpful, like all the support from friends and coworkers and everyone just kind of getting us ready for kind of how to pace it and how to handle it. 
Well, your nursery looks like it should be an ad for Crate and Barrel. So I'm like literally want to move into the nursery myself because it's so gorgeous. Okay, last question to round this out. What are you most excited about for being a first-time parent? I think that for me, it's having firsts with Nicole. Like, you know, like we've, we've been together for about a decade. We've been married. We've traveled together. Like, we've had a lot of firsts. So this will be a new first. And it will be pretty constant for a while, which that'll be really nice and special. But then... Also, I'm really excited for the top three. <laughs> when it's going to be a like, Yeah, when their personality comes through. And, oh, that's so yeah. sweet. Yeah, you're going to be such a good dad. I am excited to just like the little things, like just cuddling on the couch and going on walks and doing new things as a family and, you know, sell, just starting new traditions. Aww. Just the little things. That's really sweet. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I am ready to dig into whatever dinner Mason has cooked up for Nicole. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope that this really resonated with any of our nursing students or anyone in healthcare that's maybe thinking about not just changing careers, but changing paths within healthcare, making a change finding a path that rings more true to you and speaks more to your soul. I also hope that this helps any of our listeners who are pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant or are also maybe an identical twin. We appreciate every single download, every listen, rate, review, share means the absolute world to us. It allows us to keep doing what we're doing. We are so grateful to have you here. Happy Friday. On that note, WOMED, out. (laughs) (laughs) She's learning. All right. We'll catch you next week.